Good morning. The Lord be with you. What a good thing it is to be with people who love the Lord and are eager to worship on a Sunday morning. What a good thing it is. Amen. There's no place I'd rather be than with you guys right here this morning. So what you're getting this morning is a sample of Loft. Loft is the service that happens on Sunday evenings in the chapel at 8 o'clock. So next week, Sunday, you'll have the morning open to try some other churches. I'll give you more information about that in just a minute. And then it's Sunday night at 8 o'clock in the chapel. And we may have it, we may have this many people. And so I want to give you permission when you come to the chapel, you can sit on the floor in the front. You can fill the choir loft. You sit in the bays. Just fill it on up. The other thing you need to know about loft is it's come as you are. Come as you are. It's super casual, okay? People come in sweats. I'm talking super casual. So if you've been on the lawn all day and you've been playing ultimate frisbee and you're like, oh my goodness, it's five to eight and I need to take a shower. No, 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 just, just come, just come, just come. If you've been taking a nap and your hair is all like this, you know, you just, just come, just come, okay? That's what Loft is. It's for our Calvin community. And we're going to be very intentional this year on praying for each other. And we're going to talk more about the prayer ministry of Calvin next week at Loft and give you some information if you want to be involved in the prayer ministry of Loft. So come as you are. It's casual. It's fun. There's coffee and cookies afterwards. I think that's very important to know. (laughs) And then what we'll also do starting next week is we'll have an offering every Sunday night at Loft. And the offering, sophomores, juniors, seniors, is for... The Community Care Fund, yes. And the Community Care Fund is for? Right. It's for students. So if you run into a situation or a roommate or a friend or someone on your floor where you have to have, let's say, an emergency root canal, let's hope that doesn't happen, and you don't have the insurance and you don't know how you're going to pay for it and you're in financial need, you can apply to the Community Care Fund and we'll help you out. Sometimes we have students in the course of the year who lose a parent. They're not sure how they're going to fly home. We help fly them home. That's what we do as a community. And last year we were able to help out a lot of people who ended up in situations that they weren't prepared for and were surprises, and we're able to step in and relieve some of the burden. We think that's really important to do as part of the Calvin community. And it's important for us to, to keep that muscle of generosity getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So next week, plan on bringing an offering. Maybe you and your floor together can figure out how to do that well together. Maybe a bake sale, maybe you auction things off, whatever it is. Consider, consider giving to the Community Care Fund at Loft on Sundays. This Thursday from 5.30 to 7.30 on the lawn, there's going to be a church information fair. And we'll have about 40 churches from West Michigan, and they'll have their tables out on the lawn, and they will be giving things away. Yes. Yes. They will be giving things away. One of the highlights to look for is the rolls of soft toilet paper (laughs) that are given away by Shawnee Park Christian Reformed Church. They go fast. They go fast. So keep your eyes open for that. So Thursday, on the Commons lawn, there will be churches, and you can ask them, how do I get to your church? Who picks me up? Do you have a van? Often they'll have, some churches have breakfast before worship. Some of them have uh, lunch after worship, so you can ask about that. You can ask about service opportunities. Maybe they need a fourth grade Sunday school teacher, and you're like, 
that's me, I can do that. Maybe they need a tenor, and you're like, I can do that. Maybe they need somebody to pour coffee, you're like, I can do that. So ask them about transportation, ask them about food. Food is an important part of ministry. And ask them about how you can serve. So when is that happening? And where is it going to be? And what time? Excellent. Excellent. Very good. And now as we turn to prayer, I want to uh, let you know about a need of a student of ours, Bonnie Kerr from California. She's a first-year student. She's been going through orientation with many of you. She flew home last night because her dad is dying of cancer. And it's been happening for a while, and she was able to um, Skype with him last night. She was wondering if that might be the last time that they would communicate because he was failing so quickly. And so we were able to gather with Bonnie yesterday and pray with her and send her off. And I know that she would value your prayers. Um, is her orientation group here? Is Bonnie's orientation, orientation group, group here? here? Good. Good. I, I see, see a few, few of you. you. When, when she, she comes back, be really intentional and caring for her and helping her get caught up on things. Um, and we're going to love her and pray for her. And that's what we do here at Calvin. All right? So with that in mind, let's go to our God in prayer. Our God, we do give you praise and thanks on this day. For you have called us here to be right here today. None of us is in this room by accident. It's not a surprise to you that we're here. For you have ordered all our days from the moment we were conceived until now. We thank you for the things that this week has already brought to many of us. Opportunities for play, opportunities for worship, opportunities to serve. Thank you for the beauty of last night, of releasing our hopes and fears to you, knowing that you are a big God and you love us so much. So as we move into a new academic year, Lord, we pray that we will bring you the glory. We pray that the commitments that we made to each other and to you last night will bear much fruit. We thank you for the orientation leaders, the orientation board who has worked so hard to love us well. And we pray that as many of us continue, continue our transition to college, that you will walk with us each step of the way. Help us to make good habits right from the beginning. Thank you that we have a college president who reminds us to sleep and to eat well, to exercise. Thank you that we have people around us who have said, I'm going to pray for you today, and they did. Thank you that we already have people on our floor who know our stories and love us. What a good thing it is. And Lord, we know that on Tuesday morning, we'll gather with our campus for convocation. And we'll start off a year of study and learning, of exploration and growth. And Lord, there's going to be anxiety on, on Tuesday morning as we go to class for the first time and get a syllabus and see what's required of us. And so we pray that you go with us into the classrooms. We pray a blessing on our faculty members this year as they're getting ready and they too are nervous and eager for what this year will hold. We pray, Lord, that you will eat, use each professor, each teacher to be an agent of renewal in our lives and in this creation. Make each one salt and light as Jesus tells us to be. We pray for our staff 
who does so many things to support the workings of this college. We pray that you renew them to their calling. Invite them to go deep with what it is you have asked them to do here in this place. Give them energy and creativity and vision. We pray for the students who are abroad, who are starting semesters in places like China or Hungary or Peru. Lord, we ask that you keep them safe, that they can see your world in new ways, that they can see your church in fresh ways as they stand with people around the world in all times and places who have had the name of Jesus on their lips. And God, we thank you that we are on a campus where we can gather to worship. And for many of us, there's no place that we'd rather be. So as we turn to your word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and make an old, old story fresh and alive and new. Thank you for all the ways you teach us. And help us now to have our hearts open to what you want to say to us this morning. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people say, Amen. So most of you know that we're doing a Bible study on Exodus. We're going to do 10 weeks on the book of Exodus. And I'm going to start preaching through Exodus next week, Sunday night at Loft. And I'll preach the passage that we're going to be studying together each week. But we thought that before we jump into Exodus and jump into studying the Bible, it'd be good to talk about why we actually do this and how to do it. Why is this important to us? Why does the Bible matter? Why do we say every floor in every dorm has a Bible study? Why do almost 1,500 people on this campus say, I'm in? What do we want to get out of this? What, what are we doing this for? So this morning we're going to look at a story of Jesus and how Jesus uses Scripture. How Jesus talks about Scripture. And in Jesus' life, Scripture was the Old Testament. And because Jesus was a Jewish man, he probably knew the entire Old Testament by heart. By heart. Because that's how they learned it. From the time that they were very little, they learned to speak the words back to each other. So Jesus probably knew the whole Old Testament by heart. There's a life goal. And when we come to this passage in Luke 4, Jesus has been born, obviously, that happened. He was baptized. He's been tempted in the wilderness. And after he comes back from his temptation in the wilderness, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes out and he's teaching and preaching. And all kinds of really cool happen, things happen. So we're going to start there in Luke 4. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Luke 4, beginning to read at verse 14. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you'll say to me, Doctor, cure yourself. And you'll say, Do also here in your hometown the things that we heard you did at Capernaum. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Now what is going on here? What is going on here? These people get so mad. They want to throw Jesus off a cliff. That's pretty mad. Well, you see, Jesus had been on tour. He'd been on tour, and it had gone really well. The crowds were getting bigger every time he stood up to preach. All the concert memorabilia was selling out, you know, all the black T-shirts and the, the glowing armbands and It'd been a big hit everywhere. He'd been healing people and prophesying over people and bringing people to to understand God more fully. It'd been this huge hit. And the word of this trickles back to Nazareth, his hometown. And the people are like, yeah, that's our boy. That's our Jesus. And the word comes that he's going to come back to Nazareth, that that he's going to come to Nazareth. And they're all like, yeah. I mean, this has been good for all y'all, but this means a lot to us. This is our boy. And if it's been good for you, it's going to be great for us. And they start doing things like, we were in third grade together and I loaned him my pencil. <laughs> his mom and my mom, they're like best friends, total best friends. His, his little brother married my sister, so we're practically related. Jesus comes into Nazareth. He comes into his hometown, and everybody is thinking that they get a front row seat and a backstage pass because they know him. And if it's been good for everybody else, it's going to be great for them. They are excited. This is it. This is our boy. He's coming home. This is great. And Jesus gets up, and he reads this amazing scripture. He reads the scripture from Isaiah that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And they're like, oh, that's a passage about the Messiah. That's a passage that's about God's promises for his people that he would send somebody to save us and we think it's him. And now he's reading this passage. They're getting more excited. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. To proclaim justice, to release the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to proclaim the years of the Lord's favor. And they're like, oh, that's good. And then he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they're like, yes, 
yes. And they're all like giving high fives and fist bumps because they're like, it's fulfilled right here. Nazareth. <laughs> like this is our guy. This is our guy. It's so good. It's about us. It's about us. He's being fulfilled right here, right here. They're so excited. They're so glad. And they're like, okay, now he's going to do tricks. Now he's going to do the tricks. And they're like, okay, heal somebody. Heal somebody. This is so great. Like, you know that Reuben, Reuben hasn't been able to walk since he was like 10, so I'm sure you're going to heal him. And, and you know that Martha's, Martha's mom hasn't been able to see for a long time, and you just said open the eyes of the blind, so we can't wait. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. And Jesus says, um, I want to remind you that no prophet is welcome in his hometown. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. Remember Elijah? Great prophet. There were lots of widows in Israel when he was working on earth. And God sent him to Sidon. And Sidon was a bad place. Sidon was a city full of enemies to Israel. Sidon is where Jezebel came from. Okay? That was her hometown. So the people hear him say, Elijah, you know, was sent to the widow at Sidon. And they think, well, yeah, we're trying to forget that. We don't really like that story very much. And then he says, you know, Elisha healed Naaman, who was a general from Syria, your enemy, came over. There are lots of lepers in Israel. Who gets healed? The Syrian from Syria. And they're like, yeah, we don't want to remember that one either. And then they kind of look at each other, and they're like, wait, you're, you're, not, you're not going to do tricks here? You're not going to do some miracles here? You're our boy. It's been good for everybody else. It's supposed to be great for us. This scripture being fulfilled, the Messiah, Nazareth, it's all supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be good for us to have you here. It's supposed to be, in fact, better for us than other people. Are you kidding us with this? And they get really, really mad. Really angry because Jesus is supposed to be about them and scripture being fulfilled is supposed to be about them and fill all their needs and make them feel really good. And instead, Jesus is like, nope. Oh, and they get so mad, they want to throw him off a cliff. And you can just imagine this scene where there's like, people are like, oh, we're going to throw him off a cliff. And people are like, he's Joe and Mary's kid. We're not throwing him off a cliff. <laughs> Never the big fight, and the big fight happens, and Jesus is like, oh. <laughs> right? He just slips away. He just slips away. He's like, I got other things to do, people. And it's easy for us to read this passage about the people in Nazareth and go, those people are great. <laughs> They're nuts. Jesus is right there talking to them, and he doesn't do what they want, and they just throw them off a cliff. I mean, Scripture isn't about that. Scripture isn't about, like, you know, just getting your own needs met. That's not what Scripture is about, right? I mean, we know this. We wouldn't go to Scripture just to find our own little needs met, right? I mean... We've never done this little thing like, Lord, I need some guidance today. Please direct me to a verse that will really minister to my heart. <laughs> a beautiful heifer is in Egypt. <laughs> a gadfly from the north lights upon her. <laughs> We've never done that, right? We've never done the proof text of like, Lord, please give me a word of guidance. 
In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army, ravaged the country of the Ammonites, came and besieged Rabbah. <laughs> Scripture look up fail. <laughs> or maybe you've got those little verse-a-day calendars, right, that like they flip. Or maybe you've got it on your smartphone, you've got an app that like, gives you a verse a day. Have you ever gotten the one about the, the beautiful heifer in Egypt pop up? And a gadfly from the north lights upon her? What? Are there any that come up in your app that are about Joab or the Hittites? Anything on there about on the fourth day you shall sacrifice a turtle dove and you shall do it? Does that come up? What verses do they pick for the little calendars? What verses do they pick for the app on the smartphone? The happy verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Ah, yeah, there we go. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. (laughs) When we look at Scripture as if it is all about us, we are making the same mistake that these people were making in Nazareth. They wanted the scripture to be fulfilled and make it all about them. We want to go to the Bible and make it all about us. Give us warm, fuzzy feelings, God. Give us clear direction, God. Oh, please, Lord, make my life a little better today by just giving me a nice little verse that I can, like, ponder on. Please, Lord, make it all about me. And Jesus steps into our lives in truth and says... No. No. What he was trying to communicate to the people of Nazareth is that the work of God is much larger than just them. You see, in the Reformed tradition, we believe that the Bible is infallible. Infallible. That's an important word to know. Everybody say infallible. Very good. The Bible is infallible. That means it does not fail in what it intends to teach. Now, that last part is really important. It does not fail in what it intends to teach. It is not intended to be a math textbook, a science textbook, a history textbook. It is intended to tell the grand story of a God who created the world, loved the world, even when it fell into sin, sent his son Jesus to redeem the world, and will someday send Jesus back and the world will be restored. The intent of Scripture is to tell a story of a God who loves us and is working every moment to redeem us. That's the intent of Scripture. There is a much larger story going on here than just the little fuzzy snippets that we want to get to kind of warm us up a little bit on a cold day. So Jesus is saying to the people in Nazareth, you guys got to get the big picture, and if you're making it all about you, you're going to miss me. And you don't want to miss me. 
And he's saying to us today, my brothers and sisters, if you make Scripture all about you, you're going to miss me. And he doesn't want us to miss him. Because that's what Scripture is about. It's about surrendering our small stories to the grand sweeping narrative of what God is doing in this world. And this is why we study the Bible together in groups. Studying the Bible is a team sport. If I'm all on my own, it's very easy for me to think about my own life and how does this apply to me and what's going up to here. But if I'm in a group of people, some people maybe are new to faith, maybe aren't so sure, they've never been in a Bible study before. Other people are deep in faith. They know the word well and they love the Lord. And if I'm in a group with them and we're all looking at the same passage, the odds are really good that I'm going to remember that it's not just about me. The odds are really good that I'm going to be drawn once again into the beautiful story of a God who loves his people deeply. And that's why we study the Bible. Because we're each going to have, as individuals, we're each going to have those moments when we're, we're unsure if God loves us. We don't know what he's doing. We send Bonnie off to say farewell to her dad pretty good that she's going to wonder what God is up to in her life. Some of you came from home situations that were rough. And you're glad to be out of it. You don't have to worry anymore about dad yelling at mom. You don't have to worry anymore about mom's drinking. But you get here and you just think, wow, what has my life been about? Is there a God? And does he love me? And sometimes we get caught into the vortex. And we move away from other people and we move away from studying the word with people and we get all caught up in our own grief and our own sorrow And we need other people to come around us and draw us back in and remind us that God is up to something big in our lives. And we can't see the end of it yet. Your story has just begun to be written. But God knows exactly where it's going. And the beautiful thing about this is each one of our stories, each one of our stories fits into this big story. Each one of your stories fits into God's plan from the beginning of the world, from when he created it. Before the foundations of the world, he knew you. He knew your name. He knew your passion. He knew what your life was going to be like. He knew you would come to Calvin College Before the creation of the world, he knew that. And if you think that your story with its rising and falling doesn't matter to God, you got to remember the big story. And that's how we're going to walk with each other this year. Because we're going to have friends whose stories are going to tank a little bit and ours are going to be a little bit higher and we're going to be able to surround them with love and we're going to be able to believe for them when they don't believe and pray for them when they can't pray, and sing for them when they can't sing. 
And we are going to speak scripture into their lives. And we are going to remind them of a God who is all about the big story. A God who goes to places like Sidon and Syria. Places like Ghana and Zealand. A God who knows everyone's story and invites us into the big story. And a God who doesn't want us to miss Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. I'm going to make a pledge to you. So the next 10 weeks, I'm preaching Exodus. Jesus does not come up in Exodus in an obvious way. But I'm going to make a commitment to you that each sermon I preach on the Old Testament will bring it back to Jesus, will bring it back to the gospel. Because the grand story that God is writing is about the love that he has for us revealed most clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness of sins. It's in Jesus Christ that we have hope for our future. It's in Jesus Christ that we live and move and have our being. So I encourage you, those of you who are Barnabi, those of you who are leading Bible studies, those of us who are in the word together, let's bring it back to Jesus. Because if we make it all about us, we're going to miss him. And as we saw from the story in Luke, Jesus doesn't want us to miss him. Jesus of Nazareth, who knows your story, is inviting you in to his. What a gift. What a gift. Will you pray with me? God, what an amazing thing the Bible is. 66 books written by different people, written in different languages over centuries of time. And yet it all tells one story. It tells the story of a God who loves people and calls them back even when they sin. Invites them into relationship with him through Jesus Christ who has broken down any dividing wall between humanity and himself through Jesus. And so God, we pray that as we immerse ourselves in your word this year, we will make it all about you and not about us. Because in your light, we see light. And our stories have meaning within your story. So we pray, gracious God, that you will speak to us and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you help us listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.